Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran, and well, Happy New Year and Happy Advent. Boy, that's an awful lot to jam into one welcome. And here I am sitting across from Father Jeff Lewis, the pastor of St. Mary's in Spokane Valley. Hey, Father, how are you? Good morning, Tom. I'm doing fine. You didn't say happy anything back to me. What's going on? Happy uh, Friday as we pre-record. Oh, Thursday. <laughs> Can't even... Oh, wow, man. Happy Feast of St. Andrew. Yeah, you had all kinds of things that you could have said. All right. Well, we're going to actually talk a lot about getting launched well in the Advent season, among other things, on Sound Insight. Back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out. DrTomCurran.com, DrTomCurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. We're going to begin with a scripture reading and a prayer led by Father Lewis. Our scripture reading will come from near the end of the 13th chapter of the Gospel of St. Mark. Of that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be watchful, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It is like a man traveling abroad, he leaves home and places his servants in charge, each with his work, and orders the gatekeeper to be on the watch. Watch, therefore. You do not know when the Lord of the house is coming, whether in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or in the morning. May he not come suddenly and find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. Good and gracious Lord, as we immerse ourselves now into the season of preparation that is Advent, as we prepare for the celebration of the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ, on Christmas Day. We ask your grace and blessings upon us, that we too may keep watch for the coming of our Savior, and that we may be alert at all times to receive him when he comes. All this we ask in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks a lot, Father Lewis. I appreciate that. And uh, I said Happy New Year. Why did I say Happy New Year? Isn't January 1st the New Year? What's that all about? It is, but in the church world, um, the season of Advent is the first season of the liturgical year. And so the first Sunday in Advent is the Happy New Year Day for us who are Catholics who follow the liturgical cycle. Well, and for me, one of the things that that means, or what it can mean, is that it gives us a fresh opportunity to... Uh, be intentional, mm -hmm. right? What did when uh, when we when you first came to my very humble home studio here? Uh, you, I, how are you, right? And what did I say? What did I say? I'm not going to say. <laughs> you said you're not going to say. Well, I'm busy because busy is. <laughs> it's an, an indication excuse. that you're. Yeah, it's an excuse to justify not being intentional. Is how you very say well, so, Father yeah. Lewis. You got that. Bam! You <laughs> nailed that one. Busy is just an excuse for saying that I'm not being intentional. Yes. Being intentional means what? I, I love this because this is Aquinas. Mm -hmm. Aquinas says before things happen in the world, if they are an authentic human action, he distinguishes authentic human action from mere human activity. Mm, okay. Mere human activity is just doing stuff, going through the motions. I talked to you about going through the motions this morning in the Office of Readings. We'll explore yeah. that a little more. Human action 
he says is purposeful and deliberate. Purposeful and deliberate. And so it's purposeful if I'm intentional, meaning I'm tending towards an end. So there's a meaning towards this action. And that is the meaning of this action is to get to that goal. And then it's deliberate, which means I will it. Mm -hmm. And I'm uh, and I have this awareness that I will it. That's actually a John Paul II category that he adds to Aquinas, because uh, John Paul II lives, what, 700 years after Aquinas, and so he has the benefit of phenomenology, which are these categories of consciousness, right? Yeah, yeah. So he says that authentic human action is purposeful, deliberate, and uh, conscious. So I'm aware that I'm pursuing this goal purposefully, and I'm, I'm aware that I am willing this activity. Yeah. That That's living well. We yeah. live well when we live in accord with authentic human action as compared to mere human activity. Yeah. Does that throw any light on you? It uh, does. What, is it, what are you thinking when you hear that? Yeah, like, you know, mere human activity is is maybe just kind of uh, residing in the, the what we do human action attached to the activity is why we do it. Mm -hmm. And so why am I doing this? Hopefully it's for this further end. And that further end is a, is a good and virtuous end, right? Otherwise we're just kind of, you know, mindless functioning robots. And you, when you preside at mass, do you ever feel like you're looking out at people who are less than fully conscious and active in authentic human action in the congregation? Well, on a, on occasion, I suppose, but um, to be honest, I try not to look up at the congregation because I'm trying to lead us in prayer, and that could distract me. And from... you're trying to be conscious and intent. Oh, I exactly. love this! Yeah. Wow, <laughs> nice. I like that. That's awesome. But I wouldn't. I would say that when when we do things with a sense of regularity, right? Daily, you're presiding at mass. How hard is it not to fall into just doing it? Like mere human activity. I'm just going through the motions. I'm checking the box. I got her done. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Did did I just proclaim that gospel? Did I get through that first reading? Did I did I say that opening prayer? Yeah. Uh, How do you battle against that? Yeah. Well, first of all, is it is it a temptation? I think people like. I'm not sure people like reflect on that that often. Yeah, I th- I think it is a temptation, and I, what was coming to mind is if if um if a complex action is maybe new to the actor, then um we're we are much more invested in being deliberately present there because it's new to us. We don't want to screw it up. So a great example, just as we're recording this last uh, afternoon, I had my annual physical. Part of that is having blood drawn. Well, the person drawing my blood is a nursing student being supervised by the nurse who's there at the at the center. And so she was very careful to set these particular things that she needs down. And I noticed, like, in order of how she's going to use them. And at one point, you know, they tied the rubber band around your arm to make the, the vein pop out a little more easily. And, um, and she did that to find the vein, and then she took it off. And I think she caught that she took it off, and then after she set things up, put it back on. So she starts to be very conscious and deliberate about what she's doing, again, because it's all new to her, whereas her nurse supervisor might have just gone through all that like it's just muscle memory. And um, hopefully the nurse doing that by, by muscle memory won't completely slip, you know, slip to mind like, did I, did I actually uh, sanitize? Oh, okay. All right, we're, we're actually back now, Father. I, I, sorry I cut you off there. 
I think it was the dog cutting us off. Alaska <laughs> was making her voice known. But what was she doing? She was uh, she was acting, but not uh, with deliberate intention. That's right. <laughs> she was and, acting on instinct. Well, this is actually good. Carrie was locked out of the house. She didn't have a key to open the front door. And I thought, oh, I locked that front door unconsciously. And then you said? I, I locked it. <laughs> unconsciously. Yeah. Did you do it intentionally? Or you just did it mindlessly? I, I did it intentionally because I thought that was the normal routine if we're the only ones in the house. Oh, so nice. Abundance of security concerns, I guess. <laughs> I got a dog up there. Come on. That dog is just, she's ruthless. She's a killer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my yellow lab. Okay, so, but what a great example. Just yeah. literally doing this live. Here yeah. we are. We're trying to focus. We're trying to be intentional about doing this radio program, and all of a sudden the dog is causing such a commotion in the background. Carrie's trying to get in. <laughs> this is great. This is all Jesus stuff. We're all gonna. <laughs> you can see how this all connects to the life of faith. The barking dog is crowding out the fact that, wait a minute, what should we be paying attention to right now? We're trying to pay attention to this, but... I've got a different call. <laughs> so Carrie calls, and I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? Oh, Carrie needs to be let in the house. <laughs> and so all of that just happened now. I love this. This is like a perfect Advent story. In real time. In real time. <laughs> we didn't set this up. We did not plan for this. Yeah. So you were sanitizing. Was yeah, Well, yeah, the, nur- the nurse, when, you know, she could go through the motions of just uh, drawing blood and Maybe she's wondering after the fact that I sanitize the spot with a wipe before I insert a needle, whatever they, you know, all that do, and um, and that's just for drawing blood. Now I'm talking about me performing the mass, you know, celebrating the mass, which contributes to the salvation of souls, of course, because this is confecting grace. So I have to be very careful because I can't just bebop and scat, particularly over the words of institution, when Christ made the bread into His body and the wine into His blood. So I have to be very attentive. So I suspect it's a temptation for a lot of us. If it's something very familiar and very rote, we can just sort of check out. And uh, for me as priests, you know, how do I guard against that? Um, Well, I've read, um, I think it was the, um, oh, it was the uh, Feast of the Memorial of St. Charles Borromeo in the Office of Readings for the Liturgy Hours. And um, in the reading assigned for that, he's giving practical pastoral advice to priests on how to prepare for their ministry. And he says, among other things, you know, are you feeling distracted during the celebration of the mysteries? Well, what were you doing in the sacristy before you came out to begin? So I'm trying to pray the prayers of vest, you know, the vesting prayers, and and uh, just put, place myself into a mindful spirit of, of of prayerfulness, and then carry that over. But if I'm like chatting it up with all kinds of folks, then then that's the kind of mindset I'm going into the into the mass with. So I got to be very very careful. Yeah, that. That's a very that's kind of an interesting one, right? So, let's let's stay on that for a second. And then we, I like I'm kind of spiderwebbed into about seven different topics now that you've said the things that you just said. So at the traditional Latin Mass, uh, have, if you see how they do their vesting prayers and all this, I mean, when they enter, like the the altar boys are directed that when they come in, they are to be silent. They are not to talk to the priest. The priest is to be there in a prayerful sense of I'm getting ready for the the presiding at the sacred liturgy. So there is no talking to the priest. And then the priest moves in procession right out to the altar. Yeah. So if it's a high mass, they come out and there is no addressing that priest. And and then the music you know begins and sacred music and then they enter with the processional hymn. And it it's gotta be hard for you. 
because even after your vesting prayers in your very small sacristy, mm-hmm. you know, thank the Lord, no one ever comes in. <laughs> sorry, I, I, I don't. Is that sarcasm? Uh, a little bit. Well, sorry. <laughs> but you've got like you know, Grand, not quite Grand Central Station, but you got lots of folks coming, checking in, getting stuff, mm-hmm. saying hello, and mm-hmm. then you come out. And I know you're there to gather with the the folks that are participating in in the liturgy, right? The altar servers, the right. lectors, etc. Um, but there are all these folks coming in at the last five minutes, like the current family, <laughs> who want to chat it up with Father and Father Friendly is very Father Friendly and says hello and and then you pray with them, right? You pray. Is that the very last thing you do before you? Um, yeah, we, we circle up around the um, the crucifix that will uh, be our you know our processional cross, and um, and we pray a, a glory be, and that's really you know I've already prayed in the sacristy, but then you're right, I I come out, I'm greeting folks, but even how I'm greeting folks, it feels like there's been a transition, so I'm kind of greeting folks in a, I like to think in a more you know hopefully in a more spiritual way as they come to mass, and not hopefully not talking about like the ball game or things like right. this. And then, yeah, with the servers and the other folks, the lectors and so on, we're all going to pray together to, in that last gasp before we process in, to help put all of us in the mindset and the prayerfulness of, of why we are here. We are here to lead our worship, our, uh, you know, our worship of God. Yeah. I, I was talking to a priest. Uh, I, was, uh, I actually gave a, um, a retreat to priests. This is like 20 years ago. And... Um, I was talking to one of the priests, and um, I asked him, as you progress in the spiritual life and you come into an experience of the desert or a dark night, how does that impact your presiding at liturgy? And he, it was a really interesting conversation. And he, uh, you know, he just, he talked about the, the, the spiritual challenge, the purifying challenge to preside when there is no emotional or affective sort of sensible like uh, nurturing or or attraction or or being drawn there's no sense of yearning and love it's it's empty it is dark and i am still called upon to lead you in prayer and say the lord is with you, mm-hmm. and you don't have any sense that the Lord is with you, mm-hmm. because you're in this dark night, you're in this desert place. Have you ever talked about that with your brother priest before, or what do you think about that? I haven't talked with uh, other priests about that, but um, maybe because I don't, I don't recall that happening terribly frequently in in my priesthood. But that's not to say it hasn't. You know, when it does, I feel like that's especially when I'm going to be attentive to to saying the words, to be mm-hmm. extra focused. I might be filled with distraction that's contributing to this dryness or this darkness or whatever. So hopefully, and I think I'm successful at this, you know, I'm I'm hyper aware that I need to stay focused on the words and not just presume any anything like I've got I've got this kind of a thing. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, how humans read when we're really proficient reading, we can like glance over a whole whole line and we we can say it even though we didn't look at each individual word but when i'm in those moments i have to look at like each word and i wonder if it comes out sounding blocky because i'm i'm speaking each word at a time it Mm -hmm. feels like to me uh but i have to do that because i even if i'm not receiving or feeling filled with the presence of the lord uh just now um my presiding over this liturgy 
is to help them to to experience what maybe I'm lacking right now, and that's and that's fine. That's part of the service of the priesthood. That's uh, thank you for sharing that. Again, that's one of those things that I think a lot of people don't really think about. And so I really appreciate you sharing that. Well, we're up against a break. When we come back, Father, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit more around presiding at Mass, and then we're going to talk about how that applies to not only our attendance at Mass, but living a good Advent. This is Tom Curran, and I'm with Father Jeff Lewis, and we'll be back in just a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Dr. Tom Curran, and I am with Father Jeff Lewis. So, Father Lewis, we are talking about uh, Advent and about being intentional, building off of Aquinas, leaning on St. John Paul the Great, and uh, talking about being conscious and deliberate and purposeful. And by doing all of that, we'll be intentional and not just going through the motions. Mm -hmm. I got exposed this morning when you walked in, and I'm like... Is today the feast of Saint Andrew? Because when I was um, setting up the uh, the rec- recording software, and it's like, wait a minute, today's we're recording this on November thirtieth, and then all of a sudden I had this little reminder that I prayed the Office of Readings this morning and did the Tedeum, um, which you only do on certain level feast days, and. That shows you how mindless my praying of the Office of Readings was this morning, on the day that we're recording this, right? Um, uh, and it was like, uh, why, did I, why did that happen? Well, it happened because I was trying to get this studio cleaned up and the office organized, and I knew you were going to get here at a certain time, and I needed to get in my morning prayer. <laughs> And so why don't I just pray while I'm cleaning? Uh-huh. So what what do you think got my dominant attention? <laughs> the cleaning. The cleaning. And what was the proof of that? I had to ask you, is this the feast day of St. Andrew? And I'm thinking, hey, wait a minute. What just happened there? And when I get distracted like that, so distracted that I, uh, I, like I just, I'm, I'm just kind of checking the box, what I will do often is say, wait a minute, that doesn't count. And I go back and do it again. And I didn't because, well, I, I'm good at making excuses. actually didn't have time. Uh, but I, I don't think I'm actually going to go back and do the Office of Readings again today. So there's my confession. Does that count? <laughs> that, was that kind of a venial sin? So what do you do when you are faced with an activity that is a, like a, a, a daily activity of prayer, and you find that you are just going through the motions. Like mm-hmm. you just you you come to that dawning awareness, oh wait a minute, this was not an authentic human action. This was mere human activity. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? What do you do? So um I mean sometimes it happens, you know, like the liturgy hours for me, particularly the the minor hours like the daytime prayers. Um and um if I catch myself like I drifted, all of a sudden I'm at the end of a psalm and I'm praying the glory, the glory be. Um the temptation is to go back and pray it again, but but I always I always dismiss that temptation, refute it because that can lead to scrupulosity. Because at what threshold can I say I finally prayed it with perfect attention? I'll never get there, mm-hmm. so I'll find another excuse to like no, I missed it again. Go back, do it again, and now I'm trapped. Mm-hmm. I'm trapped, and that and that's a danger for all. I think um, it's definitely a danger for me. So instead, I just 
okay, God, help me to continue in, with the focus mindset and and look for those, like, at least I focus on the glory be. So maybe that's the seed of faith that God wants to take me away in this moment of distractedness. And so I'll just take that and run with it and move on. But I don't allow myself to go back unless it's a matter of like, if I don't go back, it's an invalid sacrament. Like if I screwed up the words of institution, like I mentioned earlier, well, you, you got to go back because you got to say that correctly. Or if I, for whatever reason, screw up the words of baptism as I'm baptizing a child, well, yeah, you got to go back and do it. The, that's the, the validity of the sacrament hinges on that. But if it's my personal prayers in the office, I don't do that for fear of scrupulosity. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like that. Yeah, that's great. I think that's great. And folks that are listening to that, it's like, yeah, if that's a temptation for you, then begin to pray well. It, it's a kind of humbling, isn't it? Yeah. Just this sort of a humbling, like, Lord, well, this is who you got. Yeah. This is this is who you, who you called. Mm-hmm. This is who you brought to the table. So I'm gonna I'll do better right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Father, when we think about Advent as a liturgical season, it feels like to me that it's harder to do Advent well as compared to Lent. It feels like it's easier to do Lent. What do you think? I totally agree. The main reason being is because, I think, is because the larger worldly culture around us really has has co-opted Christmas so that Christmas begins in October. (laughs) Halloween might be somewhere in there. Thanksgiving is forgotten, but Christmas things are for sale already in October, and there is no Advent. And then when does Christmas end? December 26th. You know, that's completely backwards. We're preparing for Christmas, and then Christmas is its own entire season. And so, but, you know, if our lives of faith really have us that we have a a sprinkling of prayer throughout the day, throughout the week, and then the Sunday Mass, but we're not really intentional about our faith outside of those times, then the rest of the time we are immersed in the waters of the culture, and we're going to be breathing that air. And lo and behold, we're, we're crushed with the Christmas spirit, and by Christmas spirit, the consumer side, where we got to buy the lights to decorate the house, we got to buy the wrapping paper, the cards, and the gifts, and get them all ready, and we're just constantly in motion. I try to fight against that, even to the point of like not scheduling extra meetings that aren't necessary during Advent, so that I'm not allowing busyness to fill it in. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, yeah, that Advent is way worse than it Lent, for, I think, for that reason. So... At- have you ever read that essay by C.S. Lewis uh, called Xmas or Christmas? It's, I think back in summer, I don't recall it too much. But it's yeah. very clever. Mm-hmm. It's very clever. Now, and to be honest, I don't know if it is like an alien space creature that is the the narrator of the essay, or just a like a missionary who arrived and this is foreign soil and basically lands in contemporary England, mm-hmm. right? And is basically describing Advent and is identifying, well, there are two distinct groups of people here. And there's one who scurry around, you know, moving with great frenetic pace and and frantically buying presents for each other and and sending cards to each other with scenes of ice skating and and parties. and, and And then there's this other group of people that are lighting candles and are hymn singing, and they seem to be um, putting a special focus on this little baby that was going to be born. And, uh, and, and one is called Xmas, and the other is called Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then this like, narrator says, some think that 
some uh, you know some theorize that these two are actually the same feast, and he said I cannot you know I cannot you know agree with that theory because they have so little in common with each other they so are like divergent uh, and opposed to each other how could they possibly be referring to the same thing yeah and it just like like way too clever yeah way too clever <laughs> so but I do think that it's one of those. Um, you know, we don't even have to call it like demonic. We could just call it fleshly yeah. ways in which the faith and and when it gets in uh, when it gets embedded in a culture and it manifests itself in in a way of life that it's so easy for that to become co opted or uh, or taken over by um, more human or fleshly or demonic influences that are going to pull us away from and rob us of the real meaning of Advent. Yeah, yeah. So so what do you do to celebrate Advent well? Personally? Personally, what do you do to, to make sure that Advent like is different than other times of the year? Like, yeah. you know, we just left ordinary time. Mm-hmm. We're now in Advent. What's different? One thing that I do personally is I, I try to treat Advent um, as a little Lent. So what's one of the great things we do for Lent? We give something up, right? And so I look for things that might otherwise be sources of distraction or just needless busyness. Um, for example, I, uh, I won't watch um, any movies. I, I hardly watch any movies anyway, but you know some of the decorations I put up for these That's holidays. a huge thing, folks. What for Father Lewis folks. just said <laughs> is is a huge deal. You, yeah. you, you kind of really downplayed it. Uh, <laughs> you give up movies during I Advent? <laughs> I do. I'm serious. No, yeah. I, I'm being I'm, uh, genuine here. Yeah. That is, that's a sacrifice for you. It is. Yeah, I do enjoy movies, but uh, some of the house decorations I put up for holidays are nutcrackers. So I got some family heirloom nutcrackers that I place in front of the TV, like they're guarding... That's me from the TV. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. And uh, so if I'm like, oh, but I'll still use the DV player to play music. So I'll set chant music or classical music or something. But I do that and then, uh, you know, take on a pen. And so a little fast, you know, not anything major like maybe for Lent, but I'm going to deprive myself of like of whatever, you know, this is. Maybe, um, maybe sweets or sodas or something like that. Kind of typical of Lent as well. Um, and then I add to it like I do in Lent. Um, extra extra prayers. So I'm I pray. Um, you know I'm praying more the liturgy hours, the more the minor hours that are um, maybe an ordinary time. I'm um, I'm um, not lax on, but uh, they're just not uh, they're not brought to the fore. Um, you know things like this, and to um, um, and really just kind of immerse myself, especially you know somehow into the just the silence and the stillness. So I don't feel like I have to cram 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. with with all these things, you know, maybe I'm accepting fewer dinner invitations out for, for parishioners families, because that's just one more, I love parishioners obviously, but that can wait maybe till after the holiday so I can immerse myself in the silence. So these are a couple of things that I do personally. So I want to know, where did you come to that insight that Advent is a penitential season? Because I never got that. Never in the seminary, never in all of my theology, never growing up. Mm-hmm. The, the theme that Advent has overtones and associations with Lenten disciplines um, is, again, it was, uh, it was only something that I gained. I shared this uh, on the radio last week. It only gained it when I, 
went to the traditional Latin mass and they're like, penitential season, you know, man up, let's mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? What's going on here? Where, where did that come from? Yeah. So where did you learn that? I probably just gleaned it along the way. I guess it began with my association of the, the seasonal color of purple that, well, wait a minute, these two seasons are purple and they're both preparing us for major events in our salvation history, the major events, the birth of Christ and then the, the, the resurrection of Christ. And so what other qualities of these two preparatory seasons, um, you know, do they share? And and maybe I just kind of took on the idea that I can make it for myself a more penitential season. I've never heard it officially declared that or in seminary or anything like that. But, but um, you know, Jesus says, like the scripture reading I read at the beginning of our, of our recording, that passage from Mark where Jesus is saying, keep watch. You know, why say to you, say to all, watch. Well, if I'm going to keep careful watch of what's coming, I need to be removed from distractions that might take away from my ability to stay focused in that watchfulness. And that is a, a form of fasting. I got to remove these things. That's a form of fasting for this purpose. And so that's an act of penance as well, just the removal of these things that might be distractions. So I just kind of sunk into me more and more, I guess, as the years went on. That's so awesome. And you actually just very beautifully identified the difference between um, the meaning of penitential practices in Advent as compared to penitential practices in Lent. Did you know you just did that? Uh, I did. Let's say I did. Of course you did. (laughs) No, sincerely. Um, So the difference is, uh, and I'm going to talk more about this tomorrow on Sound Insight, but uh, I I want you to reflect on this, is that there there is fasting and penitential activities that is about removing blockages to the arrival, to the coming of Christ into our lives, and that's Advent leading to Christmas. Then there is penitential practices and fasting that is about diminishing the fleshly enslavements and disposing us to be formed to enter into the work of proclaiming Christ to the world, which is the desert leading to missionary engagement, which is Lent. And so you can fast to clear away the blockages in order to be ready for the arrival, or you can fast to sever the connection and ready me to be formed to go out into the world. Okay. Ta-da. Nice. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. I didn't make that up. I mean, I'm just I'm just sharing what the, the church has to, you know, the church has taught us, but somehow I didn't get it until I started to, when I heard it, then I started to explore it more fully. Sure. So I love what you just said, Father, this idea of being watchful, for the coming of Christ. So uh, let's, I think people can get this. Like just before you got here, what did I say I was doing? You were busying the office and... I was cleaning. Cleaning, yeah. I was getting it organized. In order to organize it, I needed to pick up all the trash and uh-huh. throw it away. And I needed to get everything else and put it in, an, in a systematic, like organized way. Did I complete the task? Oh, not yet. <laughs> I, I'm there. But... You think about, you have guests coming over. The bishop is coming over uh-huh. on Sunday. What are you doing? I'm, I'm uh, cleaning up. You're cleaning up. You're yeah. getting the house ready to yeah. receive the guest who's coming. Yeah. And so I think that this idea of watchfulness, Christ is coming, Christ is coming, Christ is coming. Folks, so do we realize the, the, the spiritual significance of an Advent-like life? Yeah. That we ought to be watchful because... Christ is coming. So, Father, reflect on that. We got, got about a minute and a half before we uh, head to a break. 
Yeah, you know, I, 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 I've been preaching on, on what you're just saying there last, uh, probably the last couple of weeks in one form or another that, that um, you know, to, you know, because that's been the theme of the readings is keep watch, keep alert. We know neither the day nor the hour. And really that, that, that's a message for Advent is the message for our lives because, you know, Jesus is coming in the celebration of his birth, but really we're preparing for who knows when Christ is coming again, or for that matter, you know, at the end of time, or for that matter, when we're going to, to die and meet our maker. And, and could I say I'm ready right now, if I were to drop dead, ready to meet my maker? And hopefully, if we're living lives of faith, and not just faith that we've absorbed, but faith that we then put forth and put out into good works, so faithfulness that leads to fruitfulness, you know, if we have that going on, then we can confidently say at any moment, I am, I am ready to meet my maker. And that spirit of Advent then becomes kind of the theme and the, 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 uh, the regular mission of our lives. I love what you just said there, Father. And it's sort of the distinction between, am I ready to go to meet my maker versus am I ready to welcome the meeting of my maker with me? Let's talk more about that in a minute on Sound Insight. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out. DrTomCurran.com, DrTomCurran.com. Welcome back to the program. This is Dr. Tom Curran, and I'm with Father Jeff Lewis. Father, we're talking about in our spiritual lives, we ought to be ready. We don't know the day or the hour when the Lord is going to call us home. We're going to go to meet the Lord. And that's just the season that we're, we just finished, yeah. right? So that Christ the King and, and all of the... The eschatological themes, there death, judgment, go. heaven, and hell. Well, now all of a sudden, ta-da, here we are back at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so we're back at a sense of creation. Advent is really starting with the concept of creation that is awaiting or expecting the coming to creation of her Savior and Lord and Maker. Yeah. Right, Jesus coming to us. And while that theme is, you know, so fundamental to understanding the nature of the world in which we live in history, let's bring it right down to our personal prayer lives. I think that a lot of us naturally tend towards, well, prayer is principally the activity that I'm doing. And, oh, I'm talking to God. I'm hoping that he's kind of catching what I'm saying. He's not too busy and he's focused, right, speaking colloquially. Um, but how often uh, do we, how often do you think we Catholics think about prayer as principally a receptive activity? Yeah. Coming to us, speaking to us, communicating with us, knocking on the door of our hearts. Yeah. I suspect that... Um even the most, uh, the strongest, most faithful Catholics are not thinking of prayer primarily as an action of receptivity. At, at least ways, uh, I myself don't frequently think that. In fact, I have to catch myself. I just shared this with my priest prayer group. We meet monthly, and we met this past uh, uh, week, that um, I recognize it's slowly encroached in my prayer life, but I'm, 
I'm, I'm striving to do a lot more in my holy hour. So I come armed with like, a, you know, two handfuls of books, you know, things like this, which is fine. St. Teresa of Avila says she would never trust herself to go into a time of prayer without a spiritual read because if she's going to let herself be distracted, she's got something to rein her back in. But that's the purpose of that, to rein her back in. But the presumption, I think, on, what her, on her part is that she's already just going to engage directly with the Lord in the spirit of receptivity. If she's distracted, this will help put her back in line. So I recognize I need to do that more, to just, it's okay to waste time with God and to just sit or kneel or lie prostrate or whatever your posture of prayer in the presence of the Lord in the tabernacle, if you can, um, to just be in a posture to receive. That's where we can really grow in faith. And this is in keeping with scripture. We know not how to pray as we ought. The Holy Spirit speaks for us. St. Paul writes that. St. John writes that, you know, this is love, not that we have loved God, but God has loved us. That's the initiating point, is God comes to us first. Well, and here we are recording on the Feast of St. Andrew. Jesus called Andrew first, and then Simon Peter, um, and then after he called them, then they got up and left their nets and followed. But he came to them, and then they followed him. So who initiated what? God initiates. So here we are, maybe in ordinary time, the empty Christ the King. We're looking at how can we be prepared to go out to meet our Maker at death or whatever. But then what does Advent do? It brings it right around to we prepare to receive our Maker when He comes. So that's why that motion is the beginning of the liturgical year. He comes to us. The rest of the year we unpack how that interaction, that encounter, then prompts us to go and follow Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does Adventus mean? It means literally, to, yeah, to come toward, to come to, yeah, right, come towards. It, it. This is entirely the season where God's coming to us, and I just think that 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 profoundly changes our entire spiritual lives mm-hmm. when we, if if we stopped and realized, like folks, you're listening to this, right? Most of you are listening. It's in the morning, and it's like, do you realize that God's going to knock on the door of your today? Right, just that idea that Jesus. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Mm -hmm. He doesn't just come barging in. He's knocking. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. So there is an action, but uh, to use your word, that action is a receptive. Right. It's a response to something that preceded it. Yeah. Yeah. And so for folks... Like so, you're you're naturally an actor. You're na- naturally a guy that would tend towards being active. You've got to catch yourself. Mm-hmm. What are the kinds of things that you'd recommend to people listening who are accustomed to a more active form of prayer time to be more receptive? You 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 already referred to one of them, which is wasting time with God. Yeah. But give people like uh, something um, a little more concrete to help them understand that they have permission to do that, that it's actually a good thing and it's it'll foster a different mm-hmm. habit. Mm-hmm. Well, um, one thing that, that helps me is if I just bring less with me into, into my prayer time, my prayer space, uh, then I'm not as tempted to just immerse myself in the busyness of those things. But one thing that I would then do after that is definitely bring you know your Bible, uh, your copy of the day's readings uh, for the Mass or whatever, and then pray with Scripture, Lexio Divina, which we've talked many times, many ways on our program in the past. But why is that? I'm still bringing something in. I'm still doing something. But you use these the, like Latin phrases. You yeah, to, you're gonna have to explain it. And stop showing off here. Exactly. So what, do you, what do you mean by Lexio Divina? Right, for Lexio the Divina. Ordinary for folks who are listening to this. <laughs> yeah, the Lexio Divina, divine reading. This is praying with Scripture, not Bible study, 
but using the scripture as a prompt for immersing ourselves into what is God trying to say to us through this sacred page, through this holy writ. And so the gospel passage that I read at the beginning of the program, maybe we're really fixated on, you know, it just sticks in our mind as we as we prayerfully read through that, watch. And so, okay, it seems like, God, you're trying to tell me to watch. What What does that mean? What am I watching for? You're starting to ask these questions. You're asking God these questions. What does that mean? What is this? What am I watching for? Now you're, you've read the word. You can set that down. Just ruminate on whatever it was that stuck to your mind. And then you know, receive, receive something concretely, receive something very subtly, but receiving nonetheless. So it was prompted by your call to prayer, God's prompting, and you're bringing the Holy Writ and the word chosen for you, God's prompting, but you're reading it, your response, and now God's turn. Let God speak to you. This is conversation. I spoke with God because he spoke with me first. I've asked God questions, waiting his response. Well, that's what that's what prayer fundamentally is. It's conversation with the Lord. I love that. So let's let's... Like kind of, uh, I'm gonna uh, unwind that thread of Lexio Divina just a minute. So, folks, I use the Revelation three nineteen to twenty one, right? That or twenty twenty one. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Yeah. And so, hear this, folks. One of the places where Jesus is going to knock, he's actually knocking on the door of your life or your heart, is in Scripture. Yeah. I uh, when I had my Bible, the Bible that I've had for what thirty five years or whatever. I've had to have it recovered and rebound three times. Wow. And so I have it engraved with, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So when I open the cover, what I see is, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I think consciously, so again, being intentional, okay, I'm going to open up this Bible to a particular passage. And that seems like it's my choice, it's my action, it's my initiative, I'm doing this, but if I hold on to the inside cover, behold, I stand at the door and knock, then my opening the scripture is actually, my opening my Bible is actually my opening my front door. There you go. Because someone is knocking at it. Mm -hmm. And so no matter how much I feel like I've taken the initiative to open that Bible and pick a passage... No, my action is a response to the Lord who is knocking, and so now I've opened, and so I pray that, like, prayer to the Holy Spirit, before I read the scripture, Lord, please give me the grace to recognize what word you're using, what scripture verse you're using as the door through which you are going to speak to me in this prayer time. Yeah. And so now it's watchfulness, like, okay, this is exciting. This is dramatic. Okay, I'm going to read this scripture passage, which might be the gospel of the day. And uh, I'm going to say, okay, Lord, what, what do you, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So now I'm in a listening mode as I'm reading. Okay, wait a minute. I'm taking the action of reading, but I'm actually doing it in a listening mode. I'm listening for that little nudge, that little prompt, that little stir, that little uh, nudge that says, stop, mm-hmm. I'm speaking to you right here. Uh, so, okay, I just went in kind of an existential mode and and broke open a bit the sort of spirituality of how do you actually do Lexio Divina in the concrete uh, with the idea that, you know what, this is, this is 
a way that when people say, God's speaking to you, well, what's God saying? Mm -hmm. Well, if you have a hard time with the idea that God is saying something specific, well, go to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. These are specific verses that the Lord will use to speak to your life. Yeah. Okay, Father, we're up against a break. When we come back, I want you to respond to that, okay? <laughs> now that I've taken that action, I'm not God in your life, but <laughs> I've taken that action. I want you to respond to that, and we'll keep the conversation going in a minute on Sound Insight. All right, welcome back to the program. Again, this is Tom Kern with Father Jeff Lewis. Father, so I just poured forth a whole bunch of stuff there yeah. about using the um, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, or behold, I stand at the door and knock as a kind of spirituality to enter into uh, Lexio Divina, this divine reading of a, a, an expectant listening that the Lord is going to prompt me in the reading of a particular passage of scripture in a way that then says, here, here, I'm speaking to you, my child, my son, my daughter. Yeah, and this is this is all this is all in the context of how can we pray with the Bible as one way of responding to the prompting of God's love for us in a way that we want to engage with God in return in response. And so God is speaking in the Word, and this is great, and this can be very deep as we immerse ourselves deeper and deeper into the Word. And whatever nudge, as you put it, um, that the Lord prompts us. But Pope Benedict, in his um, as a preface to um, uh, Verbum Domini, which was, I think, the last official Vatican II, uh, um, uh encyclical. And, uh, well, I don't know if it was encyclical, but the last uh, major publication of the of Rome before he um, stepped down as Pope. Um, it's it unpacks the mystery of Scripture, the Word of the Lord, Verbum Domini. But in his preface, he goes into a bit about his his suggestion for a program for how to go through Lexio Divina. And he gets to the end. He's got four steps, but then he adds a fifth. The fifth is Axio Action. And he specifically says, no time of prayer is complete if what the Lord has given to us is not used by us and fuels us with grace to then put into action. So we need to figure out how are we going to apply what it was that the Lord gave us in this time of prayer. And it could be something small, like, I know I need to work on this virtue, so how do I do that? Look for opportunities to grow in charity, grow in patience, whatever it is, or whatever the action may be. But that's the fruitfulness that I mentioned earlier. If it doesn't, if if the faithfulness of that encounter with the Lord in the, in the sacred word, if it doesn't lead to an action, if it doesn't lead to a fruitfulness, then it can be very insular, very just um, an echo chamber of me and God, which is which is great for faithfulness, uh, but you know, as Pope Benedict said, is is incomplete, and maybe the Lord Himself, I'm sure, would say, is also incomplete because why, you know, what you did for the least of my brethren, you did for me. So my faith in Jesus needs to lead into acts of charity for those with whom the Lord identifies, the poor and those in need. So whatever it is, but but somehow it needs to prompt us forward. Otherwise, it's like, oh, that was a great time and conversation. What's next? It's like, oh, that was a great show. Change the channel. What's next? You mm-hmm. know, this was just a great and glorified channel, and now we look for what's next. But that's that's incomplete. You know, it needs to lead to some kind of further action, a step forward in faith, a step forward in a growth in virtue, actual applied virtue and charity toward others. Whatever it is. Whatever it is, the Lord will tell you what it is, but then to, to follow through. That's the next response to this grace. I need to respond now by putting it into action. 
That, that's really, what you said. Very, very powerful and super important at a human level and at the level of our life of faith. So I've coached executives, right, for 25 years. And the model of coaching is dialogue, insight, action. Yeah. So we have this conversation, and you could just take this into God, right? And we have a dialogue with the Lord. Hopefully that leads to an insight. You see into your life, your situation, whatever. Uh, and then there's an action that must flow. It's entailed. There's an entailment there, a therefore. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you don't take the action, then guess what? You didn't really get the insight. And, and a sign that you have the insight is that it overflows into action. And so uh, it was one of those things that I would constantly, uh, just very simple on the board, let's have a dialogue, let's come to an insight, and let's then figure out what's the action, what's the therefore, what's the must, what's the entailment of this insight for you right now. So the other way of saying it is, what, so what, now what? Oh, nice. Right? Okay, what is it what we're talking about? Well, that's the truth of it. So what? Why is it meaningful? What's it all about? That's the goodness of it. And now there's the, now what? Well, we've got to take an action to realize, to make real, the goodness of the truth that we just came to. Nice. So that's what you just said. Well, Again, there you, you, go. You, have, you have no idea what you just said. The real, the, how important is you just said that um, Carrie and I, when we have conversations, uh, I love the talk. Carrie's more of an action person. So we'll talk about things and she'll say, okay, well, now what? What are we going to do about it? What's the plan? Well, what, what are we, let's take an action. Let's not just stay in the talk. Mm-hmm. Let's move into action. I think that that is a challenge for, again, a lot of Catholics and Advent can be really good at that. Yeah. Um, you said something at the beginning of Advent that Advent was about clearing the decks. So you talked about, I'm going to kind of clear my schedule a bit. I'm going to clear, clear movies away. I'm not going to just fill my calendar with stuff that's going to crowd out watchfulness. So before you got here, I was cleaning my room. Uh, and in cleaning my room, I discovered a book. Like, that's where the book is. <laughs> it's been sitting in a box that was sitting on the floor that was in the office for months. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. So two things came of that. Number one... Not only did I find a book that I didn't even remember losing, but now that I've put my room in order, this emerged, and now it can be a gift in my life again Mm -hmm. because I took the time to strip away some of the things that were blocking its emergence. So I think that there's probably some great opportunities here in the Advent season to identify the great distractors in our lives. For you, it's television. For most people listening, what do you think it is? Might also be, oh, smartphones, yeah. 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 How about, yeah, dumb, the, the yeah, internet. Portals, <laughs> right? The portals of pollution. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? That is such a terrible, terrible distractor yeah. that holds us back from, in fact, being able to pay attention, being being watchful, right? Mm-hmm. If you talk about talk about being watchful, so Father, we've talked about Scripture, talked about being watchful, talked about clearing the decks. Uh, I know that you uh, are uh, very big on adoration as another means of being still. You mentioned, uh, and in the last couple of minutes, reflect on this watchfulness through posture. Mm-hmm. You mentioned three postures in prayer. Do you remember those three? Yeah. 
sitting, sitting, kneeling, you know, and lying prostrate. I'm like, holy cow, you did that so easily. <laughs> Talk about those in relationship to watchfulness, mm-hmm. openness, receptivity, yeah. readiness to have the Lord come to us. Yeah. Uh, sitting, people are familiar with that. Um, you know, but hopefully sitting in attentive posture so that we're, you know, not just lounging and relaxing and letting ourselves, our minds follow our bodies, we'll just check out. What about Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus? But see, yeah, with, with great uh, attention. You know, I can imagine her not just sitting there, but kind of leaning forward to receive more. If I'm leaning forward, you know, I'm I'm hearing better or whatever, you know, the case may be. Um, kneeling. Kneeling, I have to admit, is hard for me. Maybe I kneel wrong, but it feels like I'm putting my weight on a vein, and then suddenly I'm losing <laughs> blood flow to my head. So I have to like, you know, kind of kneel at a random, random angle. But laying prostrate, um, I don't do it a lot, but when I do it, I find it the most fruitful because laying prostrate, for you who don't know, you're lying face down, stretched out. Um, you can do spread eagle, but I, you know, if you've ever gone to an ordination mass, the the ordinandi, the men to be ordained priest. At one point, are lying prostrate, so they're lying straight, and their heads, their hands are kind of folded together under their forehead, and they're lying like that. And why is that a posture receptivity? Because it's a posture of utter helplessness. If I'm lying like that, I can't see what's around me. I don't know if someone's come up behind me, ready to stop on the back of my head or whatever awful, violent thing they're going to do. I'm completely helpless. And doing that before the Lord shows I am helpless before you. All I can do, I can't even give. How can I move my arms up to give? My arms don't move that way. All I can do is just receive whatever you would have me receive. And um, a lot of people uh, I've noticed in adoration times, particularly with like uh, focused missionaries at the parish or things like this, they love praying in that posture. Wow. That's really powerful. Yeah. yeah. Is it is the idea that like you're, lo- it's like you're dead? Mm-hmm. Right, uh, we mm-hmm. went to a a, a hermit's, uh, like a, a consecrated hermit, um, her um, ceremony. Oh wow! And um, at one point, she laid prostrate, and they covered her over. Oh wow! They completely covered her with a like black sheet, dead to the world, mm-hmm. completely dead to the world, and now held in reserve for God. I, I mean, I love that because of the script. You know, the scriptures, right? whether it's in Revelation chapter 1 or in, is it Ezekiel or Daniel, speaking the name Jesus, they they fall over, right? Um, The angels, they follow, the guards fall down, right? So all of that sense, if you come in the presence of God, you fall down as though dead. So, well, Father, we're up against the end, believe it or not, end of the program. Holy cow. We buzzed right through. Yes, we did. So thank you so much for being with me today. Um, Folks, continue on. Um, Coming back tomorrow, uh, I'm going to, break open in a little bit more systematic way the theology of Advent and see how that can also help you live Advent well. Father Lewis, thanks for being with me today. Thank you, Tom. All right, God bless you all. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.